Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles. And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn and how we teach and how they overlap. to Learning Made Easier. This is episode 149, Strategic Half-Assing. Now this one is for the perfectionists in our audience, and we know you're out there. As perfectionists, too often, we get caught up in the idea that only perfect is good enough, and only completely done is worth celebrating if we even celebrate it at all. When you are only praised for being perfect, as a lot of us were when we were younger, you get the message early on that perfect is the only acceptable standard. You also get the message from most of our workaholic parents and teachers that not done means it's not good enough. And frankly, living up to all that can really wear you out. The veteran perfectionists among us will know what we're saying when we talk about the weekend 48 that happens right before a paper or project is due. The entire family gets in on the act and you don't sleep for at least 36 of those 48. Okay, maybe it's more like 40 of those 48. By the end of it, you're wiped out, tired, and no longer really care if you did the thing right or not, right? So how do you get out of this cycle of perfectionism and only enough when it's done? Adam used a technique called strategic half-assing to test the beliefs that were trapping him in perfectionism and workaholism a few years ago. He eventually wrote a Medium article about it, which we've linked to in the show notes. In this episode, we want to streamline what Adam found out so others can apply the steps he identified to their own perfectionism and workaholism, which go hand in hand. Have you ever noticed that? So let's talk about challenging these beliefs that we have as perfectionists through strategic half-assing. So strategic half-assing is an idea from Eric at the Barking Up the Wrong Tree blog. I love his blog. He will look at research and say, look, look what research has found out about perfectionism or what research has found out about compulsions or what research has found out about, you know, our need to work crazy hours or whatever it is. And in his article about how to overcome perfectionism, this is what Eric writes, and I'm going to quote this. Try pressing send on that email without proofreading it. Try showing up five minutes late for that meeting. Try buying pants online without reviewing every single option available and then wait. So, did the earth actually melt? Even if the result was negative, was it as bad as you thought? And how much did you gain in terms of time, effort, and not driving yourself or others crazy? Could less actually be more? It probably wasn't as bad as you expected, but your brain was likely going crazy with worry because, hey, dropping your standard from 99.99999% error-free to 99.9% error-free is a big jump. So that's what he had to say about, you know, what you need to do to overcome perfectionism is act like you don't need to be perfect. For many perfectionists, this sounds terrifying, and it is at first. But the goal is to challenge those beliefs because when you do that, you may find the beliefs don't stand up to reality. And when you realize that, it becomes easier to let them go. Here are the steps to strategically half-ass those beliefs out of your mind and out of your way. Step one, first, identify the belief. You know what the belief is. It's the thing you're constantly worrying about. 
Let's take a common one that many perfectionist workaholics have. If it isn't perfect, it isn't good enough. Yeah, we're talking to you. Now, we're not going to talk about why this belief is wrong or try to talk you out of holding it. We're just going to show you how to challenge it so you can test whether it's right or not, which leads us to step two. And step two is second, state the opposite of the belief. So if the belief is, if it isn't perfect, it isn't good enough, then the opposite is good enough doesn't have to be perfect to be good. So if you're always worrying that your research paper or your lesson plan or your dissertation or your diorama has to be perfect, this is a good opposite belief to use for this exercise. Third, spend the next 30 days acting as if the opposite of the belief is true and tracking the results. The exercise is to act as if the opposite of your belief is true and track what happens. This is where the strategic half-assing comes in. You are no longer going to try to make it perfect. You are going to reduce your standards by say 10%. 90% is good enough. You don't need to achieve 100% for this to be good enough. Then spend the next 30 days doing that. Does your paper have the required number of pages, words, and sources? Have you proofread it to catch the spelling mistakes and grammar errors you know you commonly make? Have you made sure it's double-spaced with one-inch margins? Do you have your work cited page? And have you cited all of your quotes and paraphrases in the body of the paper? You've reached 90%. Turn it in and watch what happens. How about an exam? Have you spent about an hour with your flashcards each day for the past five or six days before the test? Can you answer at least 90% of them correctly? Then take the test and let it be what it is. And why are we saying 90%? Because when we've talked about goal setting in the past, Denor and I have talked about the technique we use with our students. We tell them, set a good enough goal and a stretch goal. But even your stretch goal can't be 100%. Why? Because 100% is perfect. And your goal has to stop being perfect. If you're going to challenge the belief that it has to be perfect, then your goal has to be something that isn't. So keep track of what you're doing, all these different things you're doing to test this opposite belief that good enough is enough. And see if the world falls apart if you get, oh, gasp, shock, horror, an A minus on a paper or an 88% on an exam instead of the straight A's that you think are the requirement for being good enough. Finally, evaluate the original belief at the end of the 30 days. Once you've done your 30-day test of your belief, evaluate the results. Are you calmer, less stressed? How are your grades doing? How do you feel about doing the work for your classes? You might be surprised at what changes. Now, this may sound short and streamlined, and it is. If you want to see a more in-depth dive into it, we've linked to the Medium article that I wrote about it. And in the Medium article, we also talk about how to break big tasks down into small pieces and how to arrange that. And also, another belief I had to challenge, again, was if it isn't all done, then it's not good enough. So I put this into practice a few years ago when I had to prep five classes over a summer. That felt like a lot, all right? I was hamstrung by the belief that only done means done, which made me work for like 14 hours a day with no breaks, day in, day out. I was driving myself into the ground. And so in that Medium article, which is called How to Stop Wearing Yourself Out, which we've linked in the show notes, I outlined the method that I used to test that belief and debunk it. Now, it's a lot more information that I want to cram into this episode, and we'll probably do another episode on that specific way that I did it. 
But in the main, I learned how to break big tasks down into small pieces and then, and this is really important, limit myself to completing one small piece and stopping each day instead of trying to cram more and more and more and more work into a day the way my workaholic self would. So I was testing a workaholic belief, you know, that it's only done when every single thing is done. And as a result, my work improved, my life improved, and I finished prepping the courses about a week before classes started. And if I hadn't learned about strategic half-assing, I never would have known what to do or how to do it. And I would have been a basket case going into that fall semester. I'm not going to pretend I wouldn't be. I put this practice with my qualifying exams because on the qualifying exams, we have different degrees of passing and they range from passing with distinction, which is, I guess, the version of an A plus for a test to marginal pass, like a C minus. And I had professors who were pressuring me and pressuring other students to try and go for passing with distinction. The thing is, these test results are never ever reported outside of our department. I'm never going to apply for a job and say, look at the scores I did on this test or I earned on this test. At best, maybe I can publish some of my ideas, some of my answers as an article or as a chapter, but the idea of needing to pass with distinction is kind of meaningless. Essentially, what people care about is that you are qualified enough to know what you're talking about. And the bar to know what you're talking about is lower than an A+. It's lower than an A. As long as you can show competence and show that you can demonstrate the skills you need, be good enough with being good enough. Well, for me, once I learned that or realized, I should say, that the scores aren't going to be shown to anyone. I just learned to focus on passing and just get on to the next milestone, move on to the next goal. You know, sometimes I wonder if those of us who are perfectionists also have like that deep dread of the permanent record, right? You know, that if you don't have perfect scores on everything, it will follow you around, it'll hound you for the rest of your life. When I tell students that most jobs, they don't look at your GPA, they look at, did you get your degree? all they care about they look at your transcript not to see what your grades were but just to see did they get the degree so i think that one of the things for perfectionists that this method of challenging your beliefs will really help you with is it shows your brain that there's data that doing the opposite of that fear is actually working okay that was one of the things that blew my mind was that when i started strategically half-assing for that summer when i was prepping I actually discovered what my work rhythm was. I figured out that I didn't have to tie myself down to a time on the calendar. Just today I'm doing this big step goal. I'm doing this group of tasks. And then it didn't matter when I did them as long as I did them. You know, I had been tied to the idea that it had to go at two o'clock in the afternoon. Well, maybe at two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm tired and I need a nap, but I can always do it at 3.30. You know, and, and so getting away from that, I think of it as the tyranny of the calendar was a big one for me too, was, you know, finding a way to say, the only person I'm making an appointment with to get this work done is me. Therefore, I can do it when I need to do it. I can do it to my time rhythm, you know, to, and my circadian rhythm is, frankly, night owl. So if I'm going to write something, it's going to be around 11 o'clock at night, because that's when I'm good at writing. And if I'm going to be doing ticky work, like putting a calendar together, that's going to have to be a morning thing when I'm mostly rested.
you know, it's, it's just, I had to learn to work with my rhythms, but I also learned that celebrating is important. So I learned a lot of things from that strategic half-assing. And again, I, I recommend that you look at the Medium article and put it to work in your life because it's going to blow your mind how much it helps. So that's what we have for you in episode 149. If you're finding this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help more people. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Android. We've decided to no longer publish this podcast to Spotify. So if you found us on Spotify, please take a look at Apple Podcasts or other podcast apps instead. We're also hosted on Blueberry.com and would really appreciate it if you wrote a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to join us next time for episode 150, when we'll talk about moving away from seat time and more toward mastery. You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash learning made easier. We look forward to seeing you next week.